Welcome to the show. My name is Andrew East, and you are listening to Redirected, a show where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, entrepreneurs, or really anybody that has had significant, unexpected life events. If you're thinking to yourself, well, doesn't that include everybody? You are absolutely right. But I wanted to start this show to sit down with top performers who have dealt with these redirections, as I call them, to see how they made it through it. It could come in the form of a career change that they didn't see coming or an illness that completely derailed them. But how do we make it through these unexpected events, I think, is a crucial question because, as you know, we all experience them. Today, we sit down with Alex Hudgens. She's a fellow Commodore. That's right. We both went to Vanderbilt down there in Nashville, Tennessee, and she was a cheerleader while I was playing football. So it's been fun to see her crush over the past few years. She's actually an Emmy-nominated journalist. She worked with Access Hollywood and has worked the biggest red carpet, speaking with the biggest names, including Oprah. And today, we sit down with her to talk and hear her story about why she's moving away from that. Why would you leave this awesome job, she calls it her dream job, in order to step into something unknown? She tells us this big story and has some awesome words of wisdom and motivation along the way. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Listening makes us smarter, more connected people, makes us better partners, parents, and leaders, and there's no better place to start listening than Audible. And now, Audible members get more than ever before. Members choose three titles every month, one audiobook, plus two Audible originals that you can't hear anywhere else. Members also have unlimited access to more than a 100 audio-guided fitness and meditation programs. Audible members can also get free access to the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post delivered daily to the Audible app. Audible also offers free and easy audiobook exchanges, credits you can roll over for a year, and a library you can keep forever even if you cancel. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial, and your first audiobook plus two Audible originals are free. Visit audible.com forward slash east, that's A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com forward slash E-A-S-T. I actually just finished listening to John Maxwell, who's one of my favorite authors, and his book, Today Matters. This show is all about how you can redirect your life, and Today Matters talks about how every day can truly make a difference, whether it's a small step or big step. And John offers some awesome motivational content. If you guys want to, you can check that out and have that be your first Audible book. I'd highly recommend it. This episode is also brought to you by ZipRecruiter. As we discussed before, Sean and I are in the process of hiring and we are finding out how difficult that process can be. It's super time consuming. You can go through dozens, if not hundreds of applications. And we've recently found ZipRecruiter and thank goodness because it has made the process so much easier. If you want to find out more about ZipRecruiter, you can visit ZipRecruiter.com forward slash east. The way it works is ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com forward slash east. That's ZipRecruiter.com forward slash E-A-S-T. ZipRecruiter really is the smartest way to hire. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode with Alex Hudgens. Alex, thank you for joining the show. I love that I'm sitting here talking with you. I feel like when we have conversations, it's usually in like one or two year increments. And there's so much that changes between conversations. But it's always exciting and it's kind of sad on the other hand because we always have such great conversations. But thank you for joining me. Thank you. It is kind of a one to two year increment, isn't it? Yeah. You know why? It's because I like friends like you because we can pick up where we left off and it's not awkward and it's not this like, why haven't you called me? <laughs> no expectations. Mutual respect, you know? I'm like, I know you guys are busy. I, I'll talk to you when I talk to you and I'll be excited about it, but do your thing. That's my thought. Also, I'm pretty sure that like everyone who went to Vanderbilt is going to end up back in Nashville at some point and we'll just all be neighbors. So we're ahead of the game. We're already there. We're just we're waiting for everybody there. else. We're waiting for everybody else. So that's what, 
it always appalls me when I see you doing whatever it is that you're doing at the moment. And I'm like, gosh, the A-Hudge that I originally met was just this cheerleader at Vandy. And she well, she was a big deal, but now she's out there killing it. So it's just fun to see what you've done. Well, thank it's you. Fun. Okay. So you didn't always live in LA like you do now. Correct. You grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Yeah. Tell us about good old Missouri. Well, <laughs> St. Louis is a great place to grow up, and we don't associate with the rest of the state. <laughs> okay. Sort of, I'm kind of joking. Not really. Yeah, uh, I love St. Louis. I'm so, so glad. Like, the older I get, the more I appreciate where I'm from. I really do, especially living in a city like L.A., which I also love, but it's so crazy and huge and a totally different mindset and culture and I find myself really grateful that I'm I have those Midwest values that people talk about and then you're like oh I really have them like I really do try and get to know my neighbors and like take care of people when they need something and not that people on the coast are evil and <laughs> totally selfish <laughs> but there is a little bit of a different attitude sometimes and I'm glad that I'm from where I'm from it did spoil me on food. Like between growing up in St. Louis. St. Louis spoiled you on food? St. Louis has an incredible barbecue. Uh, I'm out. Oh, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. That, that puts in question every restaurant recommendation you've ever given me. Listen, you have a lot of places when you've been in St. Louis. It has great food. You really do. And then I lived in Nashville, which obviously also has great food. And then I came here, which we have great healthy food. Which I love because I'm pretty healthy, but like when I wanted some barbecue or something like soul food, it's just not. I was just about to say, it sounds like you just like the barbecue fried chicken scene. Yes. More than I do have the first one of the first restaurants I ate at in LA was Taco Madre, I think is what it's like the vegan Mexican spot. Gracias Madre. Yeah. Gracias Madre. Okay. And I felt so betrayed. <laughs> I because nobody told me it was vegan. I was like, what is going on? know listen grasses madre is great but like exactly it's a vegan it's just so different so la yeah do you feel like st louis prepared you for this grandiose life that you live now great that's a uh, <laughs> that would be a stretch <laughs> you know i think my parents did like my family is so supportive and both of my parents are really hardworking and kind people. I'd say I got my work ethic from my dad the most. And my like, my mother is a saint. She's so selfless, but that kind of, Hey, what can I do for other people? How can I serve from her? Again, they both are both, but like, that's kind of the memories I have is like my dad worked at the same company for 30 something years and like worked his way up. And then now he's kind of doing his own thing. And my mom, I just remember Room at the End is what it was called at our church, where they would come, homeless people in the area could come and sleep at the church and have a meal. And like, she was always serving at that. And she'd bring me and my brother with her to participate and to see like, this is how we treat people. So those things combined, I think. And like growing up in St. Louis, where there's a lot of people like that, it really made coming to LA, like I know who I am and what I stand for. So then when I get thrown into this craziness that is the entertainment industry, I'm not going to say it hasn't affected me because of course it has. Like, how could it not? But it hasn't consumed me at all. It's like, okay, I know who I am and I know what I'm not about and what I am about. And it's cool to have the work ethic to take this industry on because, as you know, you have to. Like, it's mm -hmm. so competitive that if you're not really on it and top of your game good luck right and then knowing that serving people is not only what's important i believe but also ultimately what makes us happy that like we know this from the research so Preach. you know if i'm a host and i know how can i serve this person that i'm interviewing and that's not necessarily how people are thinking and i know that because i was on red carpets with a ton of hosts and it's it's just a different mindset that i think really helped accelerate my career pretty quick yeah and then also has helped me pivot into what i do now both of those things are still like totally relevant so that's yeah. great hey st louis hi st louis <laughs> we we would be doing an injustice if we didn't talk about vanderbilt that's where your hey. nice story intersects so 
why Vanderbilt? What'd you study there? Tell me about your time there. Yeah. You know, it's funny. So my brother and I and my parents, I was born and raised in St. Louis. We all lived there. But my parents are originally from a really small town called Sparta, Tennessee. And like all four of my grandparents are still living, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody's wow. in Sparta. So for some reason in high school, I was like, I'm not going to college in Tennessee. I was like, I can't it completely. I don't know. Teenage angst. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. And then my favorite teacher, one of them, had a really awesome. I'm that nerd that like has always loved school. I loved high school. I loved college. Like there's never any, oh, high school was so hard. I'm like, no, I love it. It was great. <laughs> like I had some, it's hard because you're a teenager, but like, anywho, one of my favorite teachers in high school was like, have you looked at Vanderbilt? Isn't that in Tennessee? She's like, just look at it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so we went on, you know, with your parents, you go on the like road trip. And I think I visited like Duke, UNC. Vandy somewhere else all at the same time and went on the campus and was just like oh damn it (laughs) I think I'm gonna stay here but what happened was it's crazy so the three schools I kind of came down to making my decision were Mizzou Northwestern and Vandy Mizzou and Northwestern have the top two J schools in the country at least at the time journalism schools I thought I want to be a journalist and something told me to not, I was a little nervous about going straight into J school and like pigeonholing myself and Vanderbilt were getting burnt out quickly. Vanderbilt is liberal arts. So I knew I'm going to get a little bit more of everything and not just this very specialized skill set, which I'm so grateful for now because while I am still a journalist, I picked up the skills I needed for that on the job. Not that J school wasn't wildly helpful, it is, but like I, I didn't ultimately need it. And now what I do with coaching and all that stuff, so much of what I learned at Vandy is like coming back into play years later. Wow. That's cool. Because I made my own major. That was another thing about Vanderbilt that was amazing was they let you create your own course of study. Yep. Takes a lot to get set up and, you know, you got to write your rationale and as a sophomore you're like signing in blood the rest of the classes you'll take while you're there whereas everyone else gets to decide every year and it's a lot of hours compared to the other kind of majors and 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 but today I got to create exactly what I wanted to learn it was all about how do people work and then there were performance classes built in like I took a bunch of acting classes I took public speaking and persuasion and debate and all that stuff and then my minor is corporate strategy with kind of a focus in entrepreneurship. So lo and behold, I'm an entrepreneur who deals with people and also does a lot of public speaking and acting. So like it all worked and I graduated debt free. That was huge. Hey. There's a whole bunch of money and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> yep, I'm going to take that. So that, and I under, I didn't take it for granted, but that's another thing that I'm just more and more grateful for in graduating debt-free because I see what student debt does to my friends and it's gosh man that I couldn't be self-employed like there's so many things that I'm like thank you Vanderbilt for teaching me what I needed for being the most fun experience Nashville's incredible I don't have I don't owe them anything now and I actually made the cheer squad I went and tried out for cheerleading before I committed to the school. <laughs> really? So, yeah. So then I made this, I was accepted to Vandy, but I hadn't signed anything. And so then I made the squad and was like, all right, I guess that's the final, like, I'm going to go here. <laughs> so the rest is history. That's great. Okay. So I'm curious, coming out of high school, I had zero clue what I was doing. Yeah. And still, I feel like on a day-to-day basis have... No Maybe a little bit more of a clue. <laughs> I have maybe a little bit more of a clue, but still very little. How did you know you want to be a journalist? Like, why was that such a clear vision for you? Let me preface this by saying no one knows what they're doing. We're all just trying our best. I agree with you. I think I know less. I was way more confident <laughs> what I knew at the time. And now yeah. I'm like, I don't know what my life's going to look like next year. Who knows? Which is exciting. Yeah. I think from when I was really young, I wanted to be on the Today Show. Like, that was kind of the ultimate. My sixth grade band teacher, who I am friends with now, still tells me this story about how I walked up to him like day one of sixth grade band class and said, 
something along the lines of, hi, I'm Alex, and I'm going to be the next Katie Couric, and, like, shook his hand. (laughs) Which, where 12-year-old me got that, I don't know. But that's what I wanted to do, and that kind of stayed. I I interned at the NBC affiliate local news station in St. Louis while I was at Vandy. Then after I... I interned out here in LA with a couple different media companies, also at Vandy, through the Vandy and Hollywood program, which is so fun because I now get Vandy and Hollywood interns for my company, which is so like, woo, full circle. And then even after I graduated from Vanderbilt, even though I didn't love the local news scene when I was an intern, but because I had had that dream for so long, I was like, let me try one more time. Let me make sure that I don't want to do this. So we graduated in what, May. From May to December, I was a production assistant at that same NBC affiliate in St. Louis and was miserable. <laughs> like, I learned a lot, but I was on the like 2 to 11 a.m. shift and just local news is really hard. I have mad respect for people that do it because it's so, it can be really heavy. It's like shooting, car accident, yeah. weather, shooting, especially in St. Louis. Like I left, I moved to LA just a couple months before Ferguson and all the riots and all that happened and like that was obviously they were like making people who worked at the news station they're putting them up in hotels downtown instead of letting them go home so they could be closer it's just a lot it's it's a lot and it can be very heavy and I realized I'm not happy I don't want to do this that was hard to recognize that because that seemed like that is the path to Katie Couric. That's the path to the Today Show. I work at this news station in this market, this one for two years, and this one for two years, and eventually I'll have a shot at a national show. Mm-hmm. So to come to the decision to like, well, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but it's not going to be this way. <laughs> it was hard. Then I moved to LA and within two years was on a national show. So it works out, people. I worked my butt off, but like entertainment news became, oh, I can actually do this oh I'm good at this oh I enjoy this oh 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 oh. and then boom I'm on Access Hollywood and I'm national talent for NBC not to mention it was right at the time when Billy Bush which obviously we know that all turns crazy (laughs) it was right when Billy went from Access Hollywood to the Today Show and we got Natalie Morales from the Today Show to Access Hollywood so now I'm one degree of separation like I'm getting to stand beside Natalie who I had admired since I was a middle schooler and like I'm now her co-worker like we're in the same shot together and now I'm directly I'm one step you know I don't even know if I call it below it's just it's a different type of show but like I'm right there I could easily get to the today show easily could still take a long time but you know when Access hired me I was 20 when they first started freelancing with me I was 25 and there were women with similar jobs who were 10 years older than me so I was really grateful to see oh I got here really young it must be because you know God wants me up on the today show young instead of me having to work for the next 20 years and blah 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 then two years later I started getting that like all right it's time to go this is it (laughs) so it could have been Alex and Hoda is that what you're saying (laughs) yeah Um, yeah let's that would be awesome i still love that dream's not dead by the way like i love what i'm putting it out there but i still love what today and good morning america and like that type of show the variety of it and you know how long those shows have been running and the talent that they have right now on the shows like it's still there i'm just i'm in tune with myself enough to know when i have to go and it's time to leave access but yeah. that skill set doesn't go anywhere. The fact that I've, I'm an Emmy-nominated national TV journalist, that doesn't go anywhere. So if someday I want to do it again, it's going to be working my butt off. But, like, I genuinely believe I can do anything that I want. It's just yeah. a matter of being very clear about what that is and willing to do the work. So Real quick, there's another Vandy grad, Willie, um, what's his name? For Willie Geist. Yeah. Willie Geist on Good Morning America, killing it. He gave us like a pregame speech in football one day. But uh, <laughs> what, I, what I love about you, Alex, is you kind of mentioned this. You said you didn't like the local news station, so you left it. Mm-hmm. I feel like you, as well as anybody, acts on the disrest or the sense of uneasiness or lack of peace yeah. in your career. And you just like jump into the next step, even if it could be really scary. Bad. <laughs> yeah. 
I would agree. That's true. So well done. Keep doing that. And then you also, and I wanted to highlight this. You also said that your time at Vandy prepared you for what you're doing years later. And I feel like that's such an important thing that I try to frequently remind myself of if I'm going through something awful that doesn't like football, when I kept getting cut, I was like, what, what is like, what am I doing? Why is this happening to me? Like, whatever, you have all these questions and feelings. But if you have the perspective that, you know what, this is going to make sense years later, and this will pay off years later. I think that's a great mindset to have. So I wanted to highlight that. And it's resiliency. I mean, are you not one of the most resilient people that you know? Honestly, Me, Me, myself? Yeah. I might, I, instead of resiliency, I might use like foolish, you know, maybe, maybe like <laughs> delusional, no. you know, which maybe. <laughs> I won't let you use those words. But I mean, there's sure there's something about, I think any of us that are going after big dreams are a little bit like bullheaded, which I'm proud of that. Good for me. But yeah. it's like, you're resilient. And that's not something I take for granted. And that's why I like people like you too, because it reminds me. Oh yeah, we're all in this together and at least we're the people that are really going after it. Even if we keep getting our asses handed to us, we're still going to keep trying and hopefully we'll all make sense someday and maybe it won't, but are you going to be on your deathbed and think, I'm so mad at myself that I kept trying football? No, you're going to be proud of yourself. Yeah. You said this in, in one of your previous interviews. I don't know if it's like a if it's Uh-oh. like a slogan for your life, but just go for it. Why not? Is like a quote that you have frequently said. And I just it's so simple. There's nothing revolutionary about it, but you gotta live it out for it to mean anything. So the worst they can say is no. Yeah. And no's not always a no. It's a like try something else. <laughs> yeah. And I also one more quote. Stop saying scary and start saying new. Yeah. Huge quote, hard. Alex. Yeah. Well, so I think there's a, that actually works, but you you combined two. It's what I tell people when I tell my clients is it's instead of hard, what if it's just new? And instead of scary or any word that implies fear, what if it's exciting? Because technically, and I didn't make this up. This is from so many of my mentors have just drilled this into me. It's Technically, like the reaction in our bodies when we're afraid, we are excited. Like excited just means an elevated state, basically. So the language is what's putting meaning onto it and then what causes this even crazier emotional reaction. So if all your body is doing is excited, why don't we call it excited? Because as soon as you say I'm scared or I'm afraid or whatever, then that's you're giving meaning to something and giving power to it. What if you just excited. What if when you feel scared, you start telling yourself, because I'm not saying I can feel scared. You are like, let's stop. I don't love it when people call me fearless. I'm flattered because I know why they're saying it, but I'm like, I'm not fearless. I'm courageous. I'm afraid every day at some point, especially self-employed. There's something to be scared about. And I can say, that's really, I feel afraid. This is scary, but I'm excited because I'm going to figure it out. And then I do. So like, and it might take a while, but those are the words I love to switch. And then when we say hard, it's like, what if it's not hard? You just haven't, it's just new. Like you haven't had to do it this way before. Yes. Amount of it before. Or it hasn't quite this much pressure before. That's all just a new situation you're in. Not necessarily hard. Yeah. Because those words just trigger panic. And it's like, well, if everything's new and exciting, that makes me pumped about life. Because like- When do we use the words excited about a vacation, about a new boyfriend, a girlfriend, I got a new puppy. And now listen, I'm saying also new in all those situations that are exciting. Yeah. So if we can use those words and not those other ones, that'll change your life. It really will. And it's totally changed mine. This is what I told you before we started recording. <laughs> Alex Hudgens is suddenly the most motivational person I've ever met. And it blows me away every time we talk. Okay, so graduate Vandy, you did the local news station, you move out to LA. Let's talk about your gig at Access Hollywood because that I feel like was a, the show's all about people making pivots and I feel like that was a big pivot for you and there's been several that follow, but let's talk about Access Hollywood. Yeah, well, important to note the 50 pivots between (laughs) that production assistant job in St. Louis and I didn't land Access until two years into LA which was very quick and I'm very grateful for that. But when I first moved out here, my original job that was giving me red carpet access and helping me build my reel, I was getting paid like 
$1,500 every three months. Like I wasn't making any money doing that. I was getting paid in footage basically. Which but is I, funny because you're living this glamorous lifestyle. You're with the celebs. And it's zero like, percent. <laughs> yep. Totally smoke and mirrors, which in retrospect, I'm proud of myself because I was really pretty transparent about what was going on. But that's one of the heartbreaking things about LA is there's a lot of people who are putting on this show and then have all kinds of craziness going on behind the scenes. And yeah, that's a whole different conversation. But I was an, I was a background extra for on scandal a lot. And then on a bunch of like any gig that came up, I was doing like brand ambassador work, like try this Bud Light and like walking around in a bar to have them try a new product. I was a nanny for a long time for more than one family. So many jobs going on to be able to support myself. My parents were helping in some ways. Like there was so much going on behind the scenes of that red carpet job to sustain myself in order to have enough footage to have a demo reel, which is our resume, you know? First of all, you hustled to support your dream. Like you were doing all this stuff. You just listed nannying the Budweiser gig yeah. background. How did you... First of all, that's really important in of itself to have a clear enough vision that you want to do whatever it takes to make it happen. Yeah. But I feel like it's also super easy to get lost in that hustle. Like, oh, you know what? The nanny thing is fine and it's good. And I'm just going to continue to do that. And you kind of let the, the big dream die. How do you not do that? Hungry. <laughs> that's it. I'm hungry. I mean, there's a million answers to that question. I think part of it's probably because I've had that dream for so long. That now the sacrifice of, I mean, I love LA. I'm totally built for LA. Like it's fun, but there was still sacrifice in leaving stability, leaving my family, leaving all that stuff in St. Louis. So it was like, I'm not going to do all of that just to come out here and suck and do some mediocre bullshit. Suck. <laughs> yeah, it's true though. Like I'm not going to, why did I do that? And yeah. I closed that door or maybe that path of local news to today just to come out here and half-ass the path of entertainment news to today. So like that just wasn't an option, honestly. But also, I think people do that a lot when things get hard. And that just means that to me, when you give up on a dream because things got hard, it's like something else is off. You were either not plugged into that dream as hardcore as you could have been. Like for me to kill off a dream would be like killing a child. Like it sounds so dramatic, but, and I don't have children yet, but like the level of love that I feel towards the things that I believe that I want to do is extreme. Like there is no, of course, some watered down thing is not gonna keep you getting up and fighting when you're doing all these jobs you don't want to do. So if you don't really love what you're up to and have taken the time to figure that out, that's the thing. I don't think people need a 10 year plan. Like you don't have to know what the rest of your life's going to look like, but do you know what would just thrill you if you did it in the next 12 months? Take the time to get clear on that. Otherwise you're just wasting your life doing all this other crap and you're going to succumb to, you know what? Nannying is fine and I'm just going to nanny now. So that was never an option. And I think doing that hustle built the muscle I needed to, the hustle hasn't stopped. <laughs> like it's just a different version now. And the hustle didn't stop when I hit Access Hollywood. I mean, between that first media gig and then I went to Complex. So that was the next pivot, which was interesting because I'm not cool enough for Complex at all. Like <laughs> Complex is such a like, sneakers and hip-hop and all this stuff and they totally hired me as the kind of movie nerd one like I was the entertainment beat because I've been doing entertainment and with complex I finally didn't have to have all those other jobs anymore like that sustained me but then that was a hustle in and of itself and a lot was expected of me and I had a really quick learning curve what I had to do for that job and the reason I got that job is because I was networking my butt off and was telling people. If you have a dream and you're not telling anybody about it, you are severely cutting yourself off to opportunity that you don't even know about. And if you're not telling people because you're afraid of what you're going to look like when it doesn't happen, you don't care enough. Sorry. Like, tough love. You have to be willing to look like an idiot for the things that you want because the reason I got the complex job was a friend twice removed like a friend of a friend of a friend that I'd met at this party and we talked and he knew exactly what I was up to at the time but he also knew what I wanted to be up to 
And so then he sees a casting call on a random thing months later and was like, hey, I can't tell by Instagram because your job looks pretty cool, but this sounded like you. If you're interested, you know, just figured I'd send the link. And it was the complex job, which wow. changed my life at the time because I could drop all those hustles and just do that. And then complex immediately grew my social media pretty quickly. And then access started dating me six months later. Like it all just boom, 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 boom. But none of it would have happened had I not been talking about what I wanted to do and working my ass off. So yeah, there's so, no way around that. There just isn't. So a couple of things I feel like one accountability was a, maybe a big factor in you not letting the dream die. Cause you didn't just like you said, you didn't want to come out here to LA and just suck. Like you had, <laughs> you had people, you had people that you had in mind. Mm-hmm that were holding you accountable in one way or another. And then second of all, gosh, putting your dream out there and talking to people about it. I am really just now fully realizing the power of that. Cause here's my take on the world. Maybe I'm like cynical in one way or maybe over. Let me, let me tell you about it. I feel like everybody is just, everybody's looking for a way to help other people, whether it's like you serving the homeless people at room at the end or this person at the party who like, you know, heard about your dream and wanted to help you achieve it. I truly believe that if you give people a big dream and they in some way can help you, they're going to help you. So like just talking about it creates this amazing momentum and it's such an easy thing to do, but it's difficult in the sense that you have to have that dream and then you like, you kind of have to have the courage to put it out there. So I want to stop for a second and thank the team at Himalaya Media, which helps make this show possible. If you guys don't know what Himalaya is, it is my personal favorite podcast app. You could find all your favorite podcasts on there no matter what you listen to, and you could download Himalaya on Android and iOS. And I love this app because the interface is truly beautiful. The layout's really intuitive, and they integrate great features such as Patreon so that you can support your favorite shows. If you guys want to learn more about Himalaya, you can download it in the App Store. Without further ado, let's get back to the show. Anyway, that's my small rant for the day. (laughs) Well, there's no kind of. like I 100% agree with you. How can we know how we can help if we don't even know what you want? But it's not a... People want to help because it makes them feel good. And that's not a, you know... Manipulation or anything. Exactly. It's just a- that's not a bad thing. We just, we referenced this earlier. The research shows that humans are happiest. We are most fulfilled. We have the most sustained joy when we are serving and adding value to other people. So if there's like a little one-off or you can help somebody because you've made this connection or whatever, we want to do that. So... It's a win-win. Like, talk about it. Yeah, it's going to take some vulnerability, but that's another thing that we know. Shout out to my queen, Brene Brown. Like, you have to be vulnerable to live a full, wholehearted life. So, you know, I'm super passionate. We could rant all day about... I know, I know, I know. I think people were just so scared. Like, everybody is so scared all the time. I don't think... For me, my faith is a big factor in all of this. Like... So it's God for me, whether it's the universe or whoever for people. I don't think that that thing, I don't think God put me on the earth to play safe. I don't. So what's the worst that could happen truly? And for me, it's like if death is the worst thing that can happen, but I believe in something that anchors me to what I think happens after you die, who cares? I'm going to die regardless. So like, I'm not out here doing reckless. I don't skydive every day but I'm not going to be afraid to send an email to someone who I'd like to be my mentor, or I'm not going to be afraid to tell people about my dream. Even if I sound dumb, like, no, we're just not built. We're so much more creative and full than we play most of the time. It's almost a disconnect. And again, I'm afraid every day and I will stall and I will get in my own way constantly. And that's why I have coaches and mentors and all these people that do hold me accountable. But for the most part, I would say that like, I can say of myself that I'm really pretty plugged into this. I'm not here to play safe. I got one shot. Like YOLO is so dumb, but like actually you only live once. So if you want to do that, just having, you know, I was able to pay my bills and I married somebody I kind of liked and I never married. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Reasons I'm not married. Honestly, like I haven't, I've, dated some incredible human beings and who knows i don't know what's going to happen maybe one of my exes is my husband i don't know but for now 
sometimes playing it safe looks like staying in a relationship or settling for someone that you know I'm not right for you and you're not right for me in the long run and all that kind of stuff. So like, I'm not married and I'm 28. I'm not at that job that looked really good and was paying my bills. I'm an entrepreneur. Like, I just don't think I'm going to get to my, is this concept of die empty. Like I want to die feeling like I did everything. There is no corner of me that I didn't explore. There is no dream that I had that I didn't at least kind of attempt to go after like I want to die feeling like I have given it all take me like that's what I want but I don't think that you get to decide when you're 70 that suddenly that's how you're gonna live your life like the point is let's do it now because right. if I'm lucky I live to be 80 but I could go die tomorrow I talk about this on every interview I'm so I'm so morbid I'm realizing but like I can walk outside and get hit by a car an hour from now I hope that doesn't happen but it could. Have I been living in a way that when that happens, people will say of me, she was doing it. Like she was really going after it. She good for her. You know, like I, I just don't, what legacy are you leaving? If we do live to be 80, what do your kids and your grandkids think about you? Are they yeah. brave as you were? Like that type of thing is what's going through my head all day. I think about death every day and it doesn't scare me. It's just like, it's going to happen. What am I doing before then? Yeah. Wow. What <laughs> a rant. I love it, Alex. Uh, okay, so I don't want to get in too much into the weeds of your Access Hollywood complex time. Sure. First of all, you've interviewed everybody. the biggest of the big, literally everybody. Like, yeah. I don't know, you're, Oprah and The Rock are the, always the ones that people talk about. Fetty Wap, skydiving incident. Never, that was fun to watch. But, And I totally feel unqualified sitting here like interviewing you uh because i i feel unqualified it's weird to be on this side of it i'm, I'm trying to get used to it <laughs> i am uh alec can i tell you so yes. i thought that i was gonna freaking crush interviews like i thought it was gonna be so good because i can have a conversation i don't know i just like i like having conversations yes and then i sat down for my first interview and i was like this is this is way harder than I thought. And so I started reading all these books, yeah. watching all these, like, you know, the, the greatest David Letterman and, and uh, you know, whoever else. Yeah. And I, doing I, great. I hope I've gotten better, but I want you to summarize your time yeah. doing that whole stint yeah. with one question. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. I'm going to ask you the question. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. What do you feel like the biggest misconception about fame is? Ooh. It's deep. It's a deep question. I yeah. didn't prep you for it, but I like it. Throw me curveballs. Keep it hot. Because uh -huh. red carpets are the peak of what people yeah. think of when they think fame. Fancy yeah. dresses and pictures, oh, and, you know. Money. Yeah. The biggest misconception about fame that I observed. I don't know if this is a misconception, but I, I think people maybe think this and somewhere deep now know this, but I will confirm it. It doesn't make you happy. In fact, I think most of the people who are really, really famous kind of wish they were not. <laughs> like, in the sense, I think that they like the resources that are then available to them. Mm -hmm. And I think that they like if they're people who are truly plugged into the work and they love it. So I'm kind of talking actors specifically. You meet your Tom Hanks. And I think he loves what he does. He's the nicest guy. He has a reputation of being the nicest guy in Hollywood. He is. Like, hmm. He gets to who knows how many charities that man contributes to. Like, I think there's so many things about fame that are great for him. But I'd be willing to bet he doesn't like that he has to take a picture every time he goes to the grocery store and that anything going on in their family is now public knowledge and that type of thing. And he's kind of of the old guard, too. Like, I feel like when I meet people who are kind of up and comers now, especially with social media, there's just you think you've got 2 million followers and a new TV show and all the money in the world and you can date anybody you want and blah, 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 blah. And what I found with interviewing these people and getting to talk off camera is it's like their anxieties through the roof. They don't know who to trust anymore. They have a hard time dating because of the trust factor. And, Oh, are you just trying to be with me? Cause I'm famous now. There's this pressure of, I have to share everything because of my online audience. Yeah. There's just so much about it that what I notice is that people, they like the resources, but they don't necessarily like the fame. Everything Some, yeah. but 
Not a lot. I'm writing a book about this, so about social media, but like access to Hollywood, I kind of not dodged, but didn't answer your earlier question. We won't get into the weeds. But what was great about that pivot at access was like, I suddenly was at the top of that. That's one of the big four shows. Like those are the shows that have been on forever. I had access to everyone. Access, haha. Haha. Over the world, you know, people that know how press junkets. So junkets like a press day for a movie. And they have the actors like all in hotel rooms that they've dressed to look like these little interview rooms. And the journalist just come in every four minutes. They just new one, new one, new one. A show like Access Hollywood, I have my own room and the actors came to me. So like it was the best of the best. And yet I'm not famous and I experienced some of the stuff that I just talked about. Like this whole new level of pressure, anxiety. Do people really like me? Or are they just like, oh my goodness, it's a mind, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> and there's this empathy that developed in me even more for people who have a public life. I think there are so many that are in there for the right reasons. They're trying to use their platforms to make change in the world and all of that. And then the fame aspect, like I don't have a good connotation personally with the word famous at all because mm. I've just seen it and I don't think it's hard. We'll use the word hard in that case because it's not new for a lot of people and it is absolutely difficult. It's hard on your family. It's hard on your kids. Yeah. And if you don't like suddenly there's this um, need to sustain fame. Like once you're famous, if you hit a bunch of movies that nobody likes, oh, like. It's a treadmill. It's a treadmill. Yeah. And sometimes you feel like you can't get off it, huh? Yeah. The misconception yeah. is that it's good. Yeah. Insightful. Okay. So I want to talk about, you've since left Access Hollywood. You can talk about why you did that. And I want you to talk about all the projects you have going on. Cause I mean, I'm pumped. I'm pumped for you. <laughs> Me too. I am for real. Yeah. <laughs> I really am. I'm like, you know what? I, I, I'm pumped. Yeah, good word. So I left because you very kindly said this about me earlier, and I do think I receive it. It is true. If I'm not at peace anymore, I'm out. <laughs> like, and not in a, I don't start what I finish, and like, I will fight to the death to stay committed to whatever that thing is, whether it's a person or a job. But again, with the faith, being a factor in all of this, I start getting really, I call it the Holy Spirit itch, <laughs> when I just know that like, it's time, there's a transition coming, you're not, you're not going to be here anymore. And for me at Access, part of it was I was really physically burnt out. I mean, I was up at 4am for two years straight. I was traveling all over the place without, you know, it could be like, you're going to go to Australia, which is what, a 22 hour flight, I think. 36 hours and come back and then you're gonna go straight to Vancouver whatever that clip and like I had two phones and I was expected to be on call even on the weekends and you're always on Twitter and it's just it's a lot like working in any kind of news entertainment included because news never sleeps neither do you <laughs> so I was tired I was getting sick all the time like I was just exhausted so that burnout was part of it and then also, this has nothing to do with the people that I encountered in the entertainment world or my coworkers at Access Hollywood. Like, I love people, but the subject matter, I just, I wasn't connected to it anymore. And I, I was, can't do it if I'm not. I was going to ask you, because uh, you mentioned, like, the heaviness that comes with the local news. and. Yeah. Not to water down the entertainment news, but way different subjects. Other side of the spectrum, people would call it fluff. It's not all fluff. Like right when I was leaving, right. when Time's Up Me Too was happening. So that's kind of the last batch of interviews that I was really getting to do was asking people about that. Now, that had its own, that's a really serious topic to get into in 30 seconds on a red carpet. <laughs> but it was like, okay, that's kind of why I like today in Good Morning America is it's they, there's a variety. It's kind yeah. of like, we're going to talk about the war that's going on and also Justin Bieber's here and we're going to cook some chicken. Like, <laughs> I like that. So entertainment did swing a little far for me. I realized two years into it, and really at that point it had been five years into it, just two years at Access, that, you know, mad respect to Kim Kardashian, honestly. Like, she's a businesswoman. She's kind in real life. But I don't care enough about her personal life that I want to be reporting on that all the time. Right. 
like I don't want to talk about this stuff anymore. I'm totally a movie nerd, so I would get to talk to, and again, not just Access Hollywood. This is the whole entertainment news industry, and really, it's because of what the audience wants and what the audience is eating up. But if I get to talk to a writer or a director and like really get into the nitty gritty of the cinematography and the music and all this stuff, that's not what makes air. What makes air is the 30 seconds where I ask someone if they were still dating so-and-so or if they were pregnant. And it's like, it's not malicious. It's just feeding the audience what they want. And I no longer wanted to be part of that. The longer you do it too, you build personal relationships. So when it comes out that so-and-so might be cheating on so-and-so and I'm friends with both of those people, I don't want to talk about that right. on TV. Like, yeah, some people absolutely love it. And I just, for me, it became, this was really fun. I have had incredible, like truly once in a lifetime experiences happening on a weekly basis. Like, so amazing so many people I've, I've met the whole all of LA I loved my coworker. like so much greatness but ultimately I wasn't at peace anymore and I knew that it was time and you know then try the little things like get more money or whatever and it was like none of that ultimately it might have delayed the leaving a little bit but it was time to go and there were no bridges burned and Good. my last day so emotional because I just realized, like, I love these people. I still can't believe this has been my life for the last couple of years. Like, holy crap. And this fear, but also excitement of, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. That was the first time that I ever left a job without having a job. So it kind of, it was scary. But underneath all of this was this, was peace, was knowing, like, I'm going to be okay. And... I'm not going to be okay if I keep staying here and denying the fact that I know it's not just, I'm not happy. Don't get me on a rant about happiness and <laughs> how up and down that is. But I like that you said the peace thing. Cause it's like, yeah, it's something much deeper than just, do I feel happy today? And if that's off consistently for months, it's probably time to go. So I go. <laughs> You're coaching now. I'm coaching. Yeah. Tell I'm me about it. Coaching is the most fulfilling, purposeful thing I've ever done. I'm obsessed with it. It's cool because kind of referenced this earlier, but I'm getting to use everything I learned at Bandy about people. I mean, I was yeah. studying down to the molecular level, psychology through sociology and what's it mean to be a woman? What's it mean to be an American? Like this, all of that and body language and conflict resolution and all this stuff that I know that was helpful hosting because I know how to interact with people, but it's coming back in a whole new level of getting to really get into like brain science and why do we do the things that we do and all of that. And then the hosting thing, you know, coaching calls are just like this. It's a video call and I'm asking questions. Like that's the type, I'm not giving you advice. I'm asking questions because I believe that you already know. There's a whole lot to that, but I've been asking questions for five years. So it's kind of like right. all of a sudden my education and my work experience get to come together in a completely new way that I've never even heard of a life coach or executive coach or whatever you want to call me growing up in St. Louis. Like that's just not, <laughs> what is this? And then I think, oh, this is this hippie woo woo thing. Like what are they doing for me? I work with a coach and it absolutely changed my life. And beforehand I thought, I'm driven. I'm ambitious. Why do I need a coach? Like, I don't, what are you going to help me do? I don't really understand. And not in like a cynical way, but a genuine, like, I don't need inspiration. Like I'm crazy enough on this war path towards my dreams as it is. And then working with my coach, it was like, holy crap, this is incredibly valuable. I will have a coach the rest of my life. And I mean that. And then the longer I did it, the more it was like, can I do this for other people? Like, I think I actually have the skill set required. Let me try it. And my clients are incredible. They're getting results. Hmm. It's so cool to get to partner with people in not just changing their lives, but really chasing down these big dreams that beforehand might have been something they've never said to somebody else. And now six months later, you already did that thing. And we're like <laughs> trying to figure out what the next thing is. Like that is so fulfilling to me that 
you know, I still host. I'm not particularly interested right now. I'm taking a break from entertainment news, but there are hosting gigs that I'm in the running for. And I know for a fact, I will never stop coaching. Like whether I have to only have three clients and I just talk to them once a month, like whatever it is, it will never be out of my life because it's just so cool. Like it is so cool to get to partner with people and see what they do and then feel you get to like, you know, I have a client who's high up in a tech company in Denver and it's like, I have nothing to do with tech in my life. But if I'm helping her or partnering with her in any way, now suddenly I have an effect on tech and that's really cool to get to feel much bigger than yourself. Yeah. So if people are interested in life changes or you talk about dating as well, DM to date Academy, which somebody thought was an opportunity to date you, or maybe multiple people thought that, how can they get in touch with you? How can they find you? Yeah. So you can slide in the DMs. (laughs) Honestly, probably the quickest way to get after me. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the things. All of them. Yeah, all at a underscore hudge, H-U-D-G-E. A underscore H-U-D-G-E, yeah. Perfect. Alex Legends, a hudge. Somebody called me that in eighth grade and it stuck. So like, well, A hudge? A hudge. Anyway, you can email me, info at alexhudgens.com. And if you're interested in having a coach and you think you might be interested in having me be your coach, then we do an intro call. I do free 90 minute calls where we really, it's like a first date because I don't just coach anyone. I have limited time to even do so. So the people on my roster, I really want them there. And I feel like I can serve them. If we're talking and it's like, man, this person is incredible. I don't think I'm the one that's going to best serve you. What's cool for me is I have a network of coaches who are incredible and I can make referrals. So yeah, just hit me up. Uh, I do one-on-one coaching. So like private, I do groups. So if you are a group that wants to start your own business together or your four friends who just want to try it out, but maybe you're a little bit nervous about doing it by yourself and you want to do it with a group, if you're a family, if you're a couple, do all of that. And then things like DM to date are specific we're talking about love and relationships and dating in 2019 and how you can get that part of your life really going the way that you want it to. So That's it's great. all just to Instagram. Come on over to, <laughs> to IG and we'll figure out where to put you. That's kind of how that works. <laughs> Alex, I'm going to close with asking you the two questions that I always close with. I know. <sighs> what are your goals now? You've accomplished so much, but what are you hoping for now? You know what? I love the premise of your show because my goal is to always be able to pivot when I want and the way that I want. Like I've realized that I don't know that I have or ever will have a 10-year plan or a 10-year dream. Like what I really want is to always be financially free and so clear and in tune with myself that if I'm like, I just want to go write a TV series for the next year and I'm not going to do anything else, that I get to do that. Or if it's, I'm going to get into real estate and write another book and have five coaching clients and maybe do a show for 10 weeks, I can go do that. Like, I just always want to be able to do what feels the most like purposeful and exciting for me. Like, that is my goal is to constantly be able to pivot. And there's so much freedom in that. It's like, I can never lose if that is the case. So that's great. Yeah. And then three takeaways that you've learned in all you've experienced, whether on the red carpet or during your coaching or being the most eligible bachelorette in Hollywood. <laughs> no, I'm only seeing someone. Oh, shoot. <laughs> okay. all sliding in my DMs now. Like, you know, yeah. I take the compliment, but God, there's so much. I have been really fortunate to have like genuinely incredible voices in my life so there's just like too much wisdom (laughs) um i kind of said it earlier one okay number one the worst they can say is no does getting told no kill you no i literally was on game of thrones last week and the story behind that is me asking for what i wanted so this is the same thing ask for what you want the worst they can say is no perfect they say no do you die nope (laughs) okay 
What if they say yes, though? Holy crap. You're like, ask for what you want. The worst they can say is no. You've already won. You're just working it out. I guess that kind of ties back to my faith, too. But in my mind, like, the end of this whole journey is I die, and I'm at peace with that. And what happens for at that point for me is ultimately a win. So if I've already won, then I'm just working it out on the day to day. Like, what's going to happen today? I don't know. We'll figure it out. And then the third one. <laughs> I hate the word favorite because I'm like, there's so many that I like. Um, let me think of one that's really relevant for me right now. How about, I think you can do it all, but you can't do it all at one time. Is, is wise because that doesn't it means maybe you have to table something because we feel like I don't want to kill my dream I don't want to drop that and it's like you're not dropping it forever but you've got to serve what you're up to and the people that you're up to right now otherwise everything's gonna suffer so and that one's hard for me because I'm a total like do it all right now and you know I want to launch this I want to launch that it's like well can you launch in phases yeah. You have to do everything at once. Um, that's a lesson that I'm learning, but that's bringing a lot of peace and also like more quality work to what I'm actually doing yeah. currently. This is actually one more question. This is just yeah. personal. I am curious, <laughs> what is the media source that you most often consume? It could be like a podcast, a book, Ooh. or you know, a YouTube channel, whatever it is. Do you have like a, you mentioned Jenna Kutcher and Rachel Hollis. Are those your faves? Um, so I'm totally analog and I read a lot of books. <laughs> I know. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I honestly, I tr- genuinely like I, I journal my calendar. I drive my assistant crazy because I forget to update the phone calendar. It's all written down. Like I'm quite analog. So Books are my favorite source of media. Okay. And they're all over the place what they are. Otherwise, I really like, I mean, I'm on Instagram. I like what Rachel Hollis has to say. Obviously, I follow Tony Robbins as a coach. My significant other Ooh. is kind of the tech world. So I'm getting more and more and kind of have some maybe opportunities myself over there coming up. So I'm getting more and more into trying to understand what's happening in the future like what does ai mean for people and that type of thing yeah so there's podcasts coming up for me in that sense but yeah instagram and books no that's great i'm not a youtuber (laughs) i know i'm old because i i don't like i don't even know how to subscribe honestly it's easy it's easy Uh, so you're saying you're not subscribed to sean and i is that what you're saying uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm subscribed to I'm following kidding. you on Instagram. It's <laughs> great. I do have to tell you, this is exciting news, and I was thinking about you last night because I got my first casting call, and so they they gave me the script like 30 minutes ahead of like this interview is via Skype, and and I was like, I was like, I'm gonna crush this, and then I start talking to this dude, and he's like, All right, go ahead, read the first line. And I did, and I felt great about it. He was like, can you do it with like a little more excitement? I was like, oh, no, this is not going to be. Oh, nah, it, it wasn't a – but he kept giving corrections, which was nice of him. And I was like, I just uh-huh. – there's a million ways to say one sentence. Like, what word do you – anyway, I was like, Alex is a Wait, Was it for acting or hosting? Hosting. Ah, okay. Hosting. Uh, That's pretty good. Yeah. It's TBD. I know. Okay. Anyway. I love that. I love <laughs> trying something you haven't tried before. Like, why not? And how do you know if you really like something until you start trying to do it and you get better and better at it? Like, that's right. Experiments. Experiments. That's right. Oh, I want to edit. There you go. Okay. I'm giving you four as a okay. picture. Bring it. Something that has, I've used the word changed my life a lot during this interview, but honestly, I don't use that lightly. Like, I mean, this has changed my life in some way. Someone very close to me, I tend to fall into being a perfectionist and I really want it done the absolute best first time and putting way too much self-worth in whether that happens or not. And someone close to me started talking to me about how I could look at things like experiments. So like, we're going to run this experiment and see how it goes. 
And honestly, having that in my head, just that word has changed everything. Because if I do a workshop and like, okay, we're going to experiment with this. This worked, this didn't work. Like think about what that means in your science high school class. Mm-hmm. Like you just keep changing little ingredients till you get what you want. And no one expects it to be perfect the first time because it's an experiment. Yeah. So starting to think of things like that. Whoa, I'm so much more relaxed. It's crazy. Wow. And like excited to be risky and try new stuff. Just thinking I'm the ultimate scientist of my life. <laughs> hmm. That's great. Hey, Hudge, Alex, thank you for the time. I love you. Tell Donna I said hi. I will. I hope we talk soon. I was soon. hoping to be here. I was like, is it their show? Is it I'm just- sorry to let you down. It's just solo of me. Dang. <laughs> if you haven't yet, please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review if you feel called to. It really helps the show out. And um, I love having a new audience. I love hearing what you guys think. And I love having you come back every single week.